This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. The Trinity B-Side. Tackling the issues within football. Welcome to episode 8 of the Trinity B-Side. Brought to you in association with Sports Social, the UK's only dedicated sports podcast network. And also Fanatics. It's been a little while since we got together and, and recorded the B-side. Um, I think the last one was with, with Trey Townsend um, in, in October of, of last year. So it's been a little while trying to get things sourced out. Being very, very busy, obviously, with, with other things. Um, but it's great, great to be back. Uh, myself and Lee, obviously, on the on the show today. And the subject matter for, for this episode is one which I'm, I'm sure will appeal to, to many, many football fans. Not just Everton fans, football fans. Because fantasy Premier League is something which is, has seen a, a massive, massive boom in over over recent years. Um, something I think we, we probably all take part in. Uh, admittedly, I'm, I'm more of a, of a casual player who, who drops off um, after the first couple of months. Lee, Lee's definitely very, very heavily into it and gets ripped apart every single every single season for his his massive interest in it. Um, takes it very, very seriously. But I'm delighted to say. Someone who, who knows a lot more about it than both me and Lee and, and can is going to share his journey with us today is, is Mark McGettigan. Some people will know him as the, the uh, FPL general on Twitter, over 200,000 Twitter followers. Mark, how are you doing today, mate? Yeah, good, good to be here, lads. Thanks for, thanks for inviting me on. It's, uh, like I was saying to you before we hit record, it's always nice to do these more relaxed fantasy chats rather than telling people who to captain and which players to buy and stuff. So good time to get me during international break, being in reflective mode on, on the season so far. So yeah, looking forward to chatting all things all things fancy today. Yeah, you're very well one, mate. As, as I say, it's it's a really interesting subject. And like like we said off there, you know, we're really interested to learn about people's backgrounds and stories and and subjects that we don't have obviously all the information on. So I mean the, the best place to start really is Obviously, you've got this a huge interest now, and and your job is, is centered around uh, fantasy Premier League. Before that, what 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 were you doing in terms of in terms of work, and and when was the moment that you know something clicked in your thoughts? I can take this this interest into a full time job. Yeah, I'll probably start from the start just to get you know paint the picture. I did a, a four year business degree in Dublin. And then myself and my my now wife, who's my girlfriend at the time, we went to Abu Dhabi for two years. We were teaching out there. I was teaching maths to to primary kids. She was teaching English. 
And then we made the move. We, we're from Ireland, but we made the move to Scotland then from the Middle East to to study. Um, so I was studying a postgrad for maybe three or four months in primary teaching. Realised wasn't for me. I just decided to quit on the spot, which she wasn't too happy with at the time. But uh, it's worked out for the better now because I think if there was, if there was two teachers in the house, we we probably be divorced by now because it's a it's a pretty intense intense career. So yeah, I kind of went round in circles then for a probably six months to a year period, figuring out what I wanted to do. Kind of went into a few retail jobs with the business degree, you know, a deputy manager in an Aldi and stuff like that. Ended up selling trainers in, in JD Sports and, and I was stacking shelves in Asda for a wee while as well because we had the wedding coming up in, in 2018. So that's that's four years ago, four years ago now. So all, all along, you know, I've always been a big player of fantasy Premier League. I've been playing it since the very start. I think it started in 2002, 2003. I was only 11 or 12 years old at the time. It was kind of off the back of the, the World Cup in 2002. Korea and Japan, Ireland were there. There was a big buzz. And I played a, a kind of a fantasy format in my in my uncle's pub that summer and then brought it into the school and, and distributed the sheets and kind of collated all the points for it. And that was the start of, of fantasy, the fantasy journey for me. So all along, you know, while I was in the in the Middle East, that was probably the first time I had a sports subscription in, in Abu Dhabi. You know, I was watching a lot more Premier League than I had done before because didn't have Sky Sports at home growing up and stuff like that. And really, my my FPL started to improve when I was watching more games. And then I started, I had, I had three really good finishes. I had three top 500s in four years. And then that was when I decided to set up the FPL Twitter account. I was using Twitter personally anyway. There was just for you know, looking up injury news and just your basic stuff that most people start out on Twitter. And you realize there's this actually huge community of, of FPL accounts, FPL wardrobe, FPL tangerine, FPL, all sorts. Um, so I, I set up I set up the, the Twitter accounts off the back of the, I think it was back-to-back top 500 finishes. So it was the perfect time for me to start. I think it was 2015. And I think when people seen I had the good finishes, I started getting invites to podcasts, you know, wrote a few articles for for websites and stuff, and it just kind of took off quite quickly. You know, I remember getting two or three thousand followers in the space of maybe three or four weeks at the very very start, thanks to I think it was FPL Chief, uh, FPL Hints, his blog. He hosted a a very ba- basic piece of of content for me. I think it was ten tips for FPL success or something like that, and that was where it started. That was Twitter 2015, uh, and here we are, what seven years later with. You know, heading towards two hundred fifty thousand followers, it's it's all a bit mad, really. Almost it's an amazing. It's, sorry, mate, it's an amazing story that mate how you've done that. I mean, I know other people obviously have put content out there, and and and, and you know, essentially as the game's grown, grown with it. But you know, to go from essentially a completely different world, isn't it, in teaching, obviously, and, and obviously in 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 uh, when you when you were studying, to then turning that into you know, essentially, really, like what was a a hobby and a passion then in, into a business is, is, is just incredible. I mean, did you have any thoughts when you first set it up that I could probably monetize this and, and, and do this full time at any stage when you first started? Or did you just thought, you know what, I enjoy doing this. I'll put content out there. Let's see what happens. I think like most people in my industry, it, it starts out just as a, a love of the game and you're doing it, you're doing your content in the early days. Um, I mean, I just set up my own podcast. I was... The podcast came about because I did I did maybe three or four guest episodes and I got a bit of feedback from people saying, you know, really enjoyed listening to Mark on the podcast, but I would have liked to have heard more because there's maybe four or five of us on it, on the one podcast. So that kind of got a light bulb for me. You know, why don't I just 
put out some content myself, you know, short, 20, 30 minutes, just bought a microphone, very basic stuff. Didn't need to do any editing. Uh, still don't do any editing, really. Uh, thankfully, I've got people to help me with that now. But yeah, just that's how it started. Just put it out, you know, a, a weekly podcast. And, and it just people enjoyed it because it was short. It was to the point. There was no waffle in the early days, no adverts, nothing to annoy people or anything like that. And they knew they could just listen, you know, on a Friday, 20 minutes, they could get their captaincy tips, their transfer tips and all that kind of stuff. And again, your question about did I ever think I could monetize? I, I never, in the early days, that was never even in my thoughts. This was just kind of a, just a little side hobby as it is for most people. You're playing the game anyway, so you start interacting with people in the community on on Twitter and stuff like that and, and different social media platforms. And I suppose it wasn't until I started, I think I had a LinkedIn page at the time um, and it was a, you know, it was quite focused on my business degree, maybe some teaching experience. And then I decided, you know, what, I'll just start putting some fantasy stuff there, you know, sharing some of my articles I'd done, some of the podcasts. And then I started getting a couple of people. I got some work through LinkedIn, just kind of fantasy websites that wanted social media managers and just wanted content. I think Yahoo was one of the first ones I did a bit of content for, just very basic player tips. And then once you start doing some of that and you're sharing it on, on social media, you know, more doors just start to open then. And, you know, bigger companies like Scout and Fancy Football Hub, they all, you know, got in contact and said, look, you know, we'd like to get you doing bits and pieces. And then once you start doing a few things, you kind of step up and do more. I was, so I was doing a lot of social media management alongside my own Twitter account for, for certain fancy accounts. And then I kind of stepped away from that, went more towards the content with the podcasts and, and articles and stuff. And then obviously got involved with The Athletic when they started. I think it was 2018 or 2019 when they started. Uh, I knew one of the guys there who worked at the Times beforehand and we kind of worked together on fancy content before. And he said, look, the Athletic are looking for someone to do fantasy stuff. We'd love to have you. And if I'm being honest, I, I had no idea what the Athletic was going to be when it started. I just said, great, sounds good, new project, an article a week, this sounds great to me. And then when they launched, I remember that first day, we all had to put out a tweet at like eight in the morning, you know, all the journalists from the Athletic and stuff. And the Athletic Twitter account had 100,000 followers within hours. And I was like, right, this must be something something pretty big. So yeah, it was it was nice to get in the door there and obviously still there. Uh, I've, I've stopped the writing side of things because I've always found it's just something I don't really enjoy. And I'm trying to focus on things I do enjoy now, which is more podcasts and video and all that kind of stuff. And I'm lucky that I can you know, pick and choose what I do now in terms of content. And yeah, the podcast is part of the athletic network and it's it's going strong and the numbers, uh, they blow me away, the, the amount of people that listen. It's, it, it's, as Lee said, it's incredible to sort of go from, obviously that starting point and potentially having a, a career maybe mapped out in something totally different to then take that, that step build build obviously the a product almost you know and and put share information with obviously the the fans of of football and fantasy Premier League to get to, to where you are now. I mean, what what did your wife think of that? Obviously, with with the change and with because it's it's always a gamble, isn't it? With anything anything like that, it definitely was a gamble. Um, and for me, I think back to 2018. We got married in the July of 2018. So before that, it was very much focused on, you know, getting the getting the cash together to pay for the wedding and all that kind of stuff. And once the wedding was paid for, you know, we were going into a new Premier League season. Um, I was working, I think it was in JD Sports. Or maybe it was Asda actually before the wedding, or maybe I was doing both at the same time just to get the cash together for the wedding. And what once the kind of pressure of the wedding was over and the finances and everything, it was it was 
it was just perfect timing because that's when I just had the two top 500 rankings and, and the Twitter account was just starting to take off. So obviously discussed with her, said, look, don't really want to go back to stacking shelves. Don't want to be selling trainers to people and kids anymore. I'm going to I'm going to take a risk here. Um, we didn't have a didn't have a mortgage at the time, no kids at the time. So that you know that we're just renting quite a quite a cheap property in 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 Paisley, just outside Glasgow. So that my living expenses were quite low, so I, I was able to take the risk. And obviously, early days, first year or two, you're just about making enough to get by. Um, my wife Michaela was just really supportive the whole way through. Obviously, probably supported us financially in the early days too, when I wasn't making as much. Um, thankfully, now it's improved to a to a much healthier level, um, and I can I can buy the food now again uh, along along with her. But yeah, it was. It was it was a gamble, but I think I've always found uh, in life, you know, I've read a lot of good books over the years, and I always think if you if you really if you're brave enough to go for something, I always think the doors will open, and that's what I really find with with the fantasy. I think I, I was in a good community anyway. Um, you can kind of once you spend a year or two in the FPL community, especially in those days, it might have changed a little bit now, but it, it's a kind of it's a kind of community that everybody wants. It, you know, fantasy grows, everybody grows together, and everyone kind of. You know, looks out for each other and supports each other. I remember those early days. You know, you you retweet a podcast for someone else; they retweet your podcast. All those little things you you build all those you know relationships with people through social media, and and we've all kind of grown together, which has been really nice to see as well. That's great to hear that as well. That's great. At the end of the day, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you was was about that about obviously the content, obviously growing out there as the game as the game grows, content more and more and more content is growing. Obviously, that varies in, in, in style, in quality, and things like that as well. I mean, I, I've said to you before we started recording, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, I've always followed your content. I've always felt it being like the perfect balance between being concise, informative, um, and also obviously, you know, a lot of the things that you can give in terms of tips as well, which are always, always, always great. I also mentioned to you, I like um, the likes of uh, FPL Planet, James. I think he's brilliant as well. Just, I like listening to him talk generally about football. I think his football knowledge is brilliant. Uh, I know you're a fan of his. Um, but yeah, that was one of the things I was going to say. The community as itself, as it's grown, you've you've almost semi-answered the question anyway. You don't really view each other as competition, really, do you? You see it as almost kind of like, well, look, we can assist each other here in general. And we found that with our podcast. You know, there's other Everton podcasts out there. We've been in your position where we've grown it steadily. Um, and we don't see it as competition either. At the end of the day, it's all about trying to have, you know, sensible conversation about something we love. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, we talked about the growth of, of FPL there, uh, you know, over 10 million players or, or teams, at least this season for the first time ever. And even if you only go back five or six years, you're probably only on at half of that number. You're, you're probably only at three or four million. So, you know, it's grown exponentially and, and I still think it could it could go a lot further. But yeah, back back to the community thing and, and everyone growing together. You know, I can only speak for myself, but I think it is quite common across the, the fantasy industry. Everyone does it, the way I view it, anyway, if 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 another podcast is doing well or is winning an award or or if people are you know making appearances on TV or on you know BBC Five Live and all that kind of stuff, that's that's just good for for all of us. You know, you're seeing more and more of it on on mainstream media. You've got the Sky Sports Show now. You've you know Gary Lineker often mentions his makes references to fantasy football when he's on Match of the Day and stuff. And I I do think before long we'll probably see a you know some kind of fantasy analyst alongside Shearer and, and Michael Richards and these boys on match today because there's just so much so many people are playing it there's there's definitely scope for them to tap into the fantasy side of things even if it's just a you know a small segment of match today or something like that but yeah overall you know FPL's just been growing in terms of numbers and then you've got more and more content creators and and you know I was probably one of the first to go 
take the plunge and go full time. I could probably count on one hand how many of us there was in those early days. And, and I, I say early days, it's still only six, seven years ago, but it's great now. Every I see it every pre-season. You see people you know, giving up the day job, maybe a job they didn't enjoy and they're taking the plunge and, and they're doing great, especially the YouTubers. I love to see the, those guys, you know, following their passions and, and doing really well. And, and like I say, I, I think it's it's still, it's I think we're riding a wave, but I think I still think we're not, we're nowhere near the top of the wave. I think fantasy can, can keep growing in the, in the UK. I mean, the, the, the numbers of players is incredible, isn't it? You know, it's, it's over 9 million according to the to the Premier League, the fancy Premier League website for, for this season, which is absolutely huge numbers. You've then got obviously it's not just Premier League uh, fans who are who are playing. It's it's people who've got who support lower league teams. It's, it's a global game. People outside obviously of the the UK are obviously playing it and 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 tapping into to, to fantasy Premier League. But for, for someone like like me, from, from my perspective, like like I mentioned, I'm I'm one of the more casual players. A lot of people are probably similar to me. Um, in terms of obviously the podcast that you do and the information that that you that you put out, give, give us an example of, of of the stuff that you share because f- for me, I, I obviously think that obviously there's an element of luck. Of course, there is. You, you've got to get lucky. We, we, we know what some minds are like in terms of shopping and changing the teams. Pep Guardiola does it every single week. You know, you, you can think that Phil Foden's nailed on to start and, and he sits on the bench. So there's, a, there's an element of luck. What what kind of things are you sharing sort of within like the community to to, to help people basically yeah so I, I think with all of my content over the years you you don't want to spoon feed people that that just annoys the hardcore people if you're you know saying do this do that or whatever so i always try and present my content whether it's written form or in podcast or video you're kind of presenting a few ideas giving your opinion on it but kind of leaving the decision in the hands of the listener or the viewer and it's i think i'm, I'm i probably got better at that over the years of, of you know getting that balance right and just you you're you're packing a lot of with a podcast in particular packing a lot of information into 30 minutes you're you're but you're doing it in a way that lets people you know they'll go away they'll digest it they'll think right i agree with what he said there not sure about what he said on on that player and then when it comes to friday night saturday morning they're they're in a good position then to kind of Again, I always say to people, I want them to make their own decisions. You take the, you take, you know, we we put the content out there for people. We don't want you to blindly follow us because that doesn't guarantee success for a start. Um, so that you know, in terms of the the podcast itself, the the Athletic FPL podcast, it follows the same format every week. I'll do a quick review of how the game week went. Then I'll talk about my my watch list. So basically, players I'm interested in at the moment, and I'll you know I'll remove players from the watch list who I'm no longer interested in. Then you'll just you know take questions from Twitter, which usually you know, 10 questions, which is all the hot topics going into each game week. And then it just finishes very simply with the the captaincy candidates for the weekend, who I think is the best option. I'll put a poll on Twitter. I'll let people know what the results of the poll were to give them an idea of, of what the masses are thinking in terms of captaincy. And then just finishes with, you know, potential transfers from, from my own team. So it's it's very straightforward. But like I said, it, it does pack a lot of information in. But I like to think at the end of it, people think, right, there's certain parts of that I will I will take away from it, and there's certain parts of it that I, I fancy going against as well. I think I think that 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 bit there you said of spoon fed, that's absolutely bang on because the last thing you want to do is have what you'd call you what I would say your lazy listener who just go Mark just tell me your team so I can just copy it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, hang on a minute. The whole point of the game, guys, is that we want to create our own team and our own potential, you know, differentials if you want to call them that as well, just to make it different. I don't see any fun. In basically people just actually copying 
what, what, what's known in the community is a template team, isn't it? I know a lot, obviously, look, if players are in form, you'll always have a mixture of those players in the team anyway. But occasionally what I like to do is, is throw in maybe a left field punt or something like that in there, like a differential. Uh, and I wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. You know, trying to get that balance bit so people aren't just copying your team every week. Because at the end of the day, what, what we see here, and you'll see this as well, Mike, is the mini leagues, isn't it? People have got money riding on some of these mini leagues. I mean, I, I'm in mini leagues in, in where I used to work at Bupo. It's a big mini league. You know, I've, I've won that a couple of times. And I've been in ones with, um, with like the tennis club, whatever, other things like that. But the point I'm saying is lots of people are involved in mini leagues where there's money involved. So people then almost get over emotional about it. Have you, have you found that as well? Yeah, I think increasingly, increasingly in the last maybe two or three seasons, you're you're getting the copycat issue has become a big big thing. And I know us content creators, we've kind of contributed to the problem because we a lot of us do reveal our teams, whether it be on YouTube or on Twitter, yeah. or even just to subscribers. But what you'll see is your everyday manager, um, like Mike. You know, if 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 you go into any mini league these days, more so than ever before, you'll see teams that have. 9, 10, 11 of the same players. They'll captain the same captain every week. And it's just the overload of information and the, the availability of information nowadays as well. It's very easy for, for any manager to just do a couple of quick you know, searches of Google or, or Twitter. They can very quickly find who, who most people are going to captain. They can, I mean, the FPL website itself, it tells you who the most transferred in players are, are that week. So you can just go off very basic stuff like that. You've got your player ownership percentages, which, which I would prefer were hidden, but they're 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 on public even before the season starts. So you can you can just pick a team in game week one to set yourself up not to fail. You can just go with the highly owned players, and no no matter what happens, you're you're either going to be with the pack or you're just going to be you know have a pretty good start to the season. So yeah, copycats is is an issue. I, I have it myself. I don't reveal my team publicly, but I do reveal it to subscribers. And you know every season I, I try to make it very clear at the start that Patreon is for it's to help you become a better manager. It's to you know provide you with the tools and information to make you know good decisions yourself every Friday, every Saturday, and it's very you know I I do it, no matter what you're going to get copycats. I get copycats. You know Andy on YouTube gets copycats, but again I, I do try and address it. I, you know I let people know before the season starts that I I don't like it. It makes me. I mean I always think what if I win FPL and ten other people win FPL with me? It's gonna it's gonna be a bit of an issue. So it's very, it's actually very easy for me. Once we get maybe halfway through a season, it's very easy for me to go in on a Saturday night, halfway through a game week, um, into the overall rankings page of of every team, check my total points and my points for the game week, and then I can see which other teams have the same points as me in the game week and for the season. We're all brunched together in the rankings. It might take 15, 20 minutes for me to do so. But I do go through it and I find which teams are exactly the same as mine who've been copying me all season. That means I know they're a subscriber. And I, I basically just send them a message. I say, look, I know you're making every single move the same as me. This is not what Patreon's about. I would appreciate it if you stop doing that. If you want a refund, whatever, I'll give you a refund. But just don't, you know, why? I always say, why? Mm. What's, the po- what's the point? Why play the game if you're just going to, if you're just going to copy? And you'll, you'll get people, um, I see it all the time, I'll get people who, have never watched a game in their life, will never watch a game in their life, but they're in a mini league with a, a family member or a colleague. And all that matters is that they beat them and they don't care how they get there. Um, so yeah, copycats is obviously an issue. And I suppose there's only so much we can do to try and try and combat that. I think something that something that makes the copycat issue worse as well, I think FPL didn't help us this year with the player prices. You know, there's 
a very, very small pool of maybe 20 to 25 players that are very clearly the best picks in the game. So even if you don't have copycat behavior happening, you're going to have a lot of similar teams anyway. When, when you've got 10 million teams and there's 25 to 30 players that are you know, priced very kindly from the best teams, there's going to be kind of a funnel where most people focus on that small group of players anyway. So I think a lot of us hardcore managers, we would like to see quite a big shakeup in, in player prices because you don't, this season more than ever, a lot of teams at the start had three City, three Liverpool, three Arsenal, three Spurs. It was too easy to do so. And again, that just creates a lot of similar teams. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. I think they definitely need to change that up. So that creates variation. And that's what you want. You want variation. You know, there's different ways of getting to the same points, isn't it? You don't always have to have the same team. Um, but that's one of the reasons what I love about FPL. I've been playing it not as long as you, but I've been playing it since like 2008-9 season. And I've always just loved it. And then obviously, I've, as, as it's grown, started listening to more of your content and things like that. But what I love is I love... I end up actually, um, a bit like you when you were in the Middle East, I end up watching more games because I've got players involved in those games. It just gives me another reason to watch that game. And I like that side of it because obviously you're rooting for certain players. But it's that balance between the eye test, obviously what we see on, on the TV or sometimes if you actually even go the game. And then, then I then look to analyse the stats element of it. And that's the balance, isn't it? Because obviously a player could have look great on the eye but be poor in terms of stats and vice versa. And I think that's when I like to listen to your content in terms of like, well, this person's trended in the right direction. Look at someone like Madison, for example, this season and a poor Leicester City team. But his stats are through the roof, aren't they? He looks like he's going to obviously get a lot of points in every game. So unless you watched every Leicester game, you wouldn't really know that, would you? Yeah, and it's I've always primarily been kind of eye test first because I've always had time to watch games. So I've always you know watch all the live games that are on TV in the UK or I've always kind of recorded games um, because my wife's a teacher. I'll record the games Saturday, Sunday, and I watch them Monday, Tuesday when she's at work. You know, I'll always watch them first and, and look at the stats second. And it's always just kind of a little sanity check. You know, you, you can you can trust stats a lot more than you can trust your own eye. You've got biases to players from from previous seasons and stuff like that. Um, so the stats are always a good a good check just to check yourself. Um, you know, a good example of that, you mentioned Madison there. I, I played my wild card last week and I went, I didn't go for Madison when a lot of people did. And I went for Gordon instead from Everton, from from your boys, and I left some cash in the bank. And I think I might have been guilty there of, of not doing enough research. You know, I didn't look at the numbers enough. If I just, I know Leicester haven't been great either, but is it is it just, I think, was it five goals in seven games Everton have scored this season? So why why am I investing in, a, in an attacker from Everton when I could have maybe went elsewhere Um with, with that pick and I'm, I'm probably looking to, to lose him you know quite quickly now and it probably will be Madison who comes in because like I say Leicester poorest defensively but they, they're still scoring goals and Madison just looks as good as he ever has if, if not better and I know Rodgers has been talking along those lines as well he's kind of taken over the talisman from from Jamie Vardy these days so yeah for me it's you know I, I like to watch a lot of games but I think I've learned over the years as well and probably just in more recent years um, maybe during COVID times I kind of lost a bit of interest in FPL, I think like a lot of people did when there's no fans in the stadium and stuff. And I and I kind of learned that even though I wasn't watching as many games, I was still doing okay in, in FPL. And it shows you there's that's the beauty of the game. You can be someone who watches every game or you can be someone who watches zero games and you can get, you know, you both have an equal chance of getting a top 10K finish. Um, so yeah, you just got to play it how, whatever way it suits you. 
You should have asked me for a tip there, mate. I could have told you Gordon wouldn't have been a good pick. I know. I, again, I, that, that's that was the again. That's a good example of the, maybe my eyes playing a trick on me. I, I really liked them every time I've watched them this season. Yeah. But again, yeah. it's kind of been. I haven't obviously watched every single Everton game, and I, I sometimes I think I'm one of my weaknesses. I focus on the player stats too much than the team stats. I look at right. Gordon's numbers and. If you're if you're interested in a player anyway, what, what tends to happen as well, you've got to be careful with stats. I was interested in Gordon, and you can look, you can manipulate the stats to make him look great. You know, you can look at the stats. You know, shots and target stats were great and stuff like that. But maybe his XG wasn't. Um, but if, if I looked at the Everton team stats as I've been doing this international break, it's making me think very differently about about the attackers. Sorry, sorry yeah. to have a have a have a dig at the Everton. No, teams. no, not at all, mate. Not at all. I mean, I punted for Madison just to let you know that as well, by the way. So, um, no, no, only, only joking. But no, yeah. Look, look, from an Everton perspective, we go, we, we watch every game, we pour over every game, we talk about every game uh, from that perspective. And what's clear at the minute with Lampard, and he's doing the right thing. He's building from the back. He's trying to make us harder to beat. And then I think what what will happen is once we get Calvert Lewin back, maybe a couple of other players as well. And I think in January he'll he'll probably sign another attacker. He's, he's, he's doing what I think every manager should do is, is be resolute, be hard to beat and then obviously build from the back and then add goals to the team. Uh, and I think to be fair, a lot of Everton fans and Michael attests to this as well are on board with that. Whilst we look obviously not great in terms of our league position, we're unbeaten in six. And I think a lot of Everton fans actually at the minute, there's a lot of positivity around the club, which is First time in in a, in, a, in a very long time in that respect. So um, yeah, st- stay clear for Gordon in the short term. Yeah, term. but yeah, it was even. I was just looking at the stats this morning before I before I did this, and uh, you know I say there maybe the the Gordon pick was a mistake, but on the flip side, yeah. you know very few goals conceded this season. You know Patterson yeah. was looking like a really good FPL pick because he's only four million, but unfortunately he seems to have picked up an injury with Scotland now. But I think a lot of wild carders this week are are struggling with goalkeepers, and the more I look at the numbers and stuff and the the prices of the goalkeepers. I actually I'm coming around to the idea of of a of a Pickford Begovic double up just to just to spend you know very few cash can't be can't be any worse than the the Leicester City goalkeeper double up. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, exactly, yeah. I think he's uh, he's bottom of the list this season, isn't he? That Danny Ward, unfortunately. But well, no, it's like you say, you know, you, you do have your have your have your bias. I mean, what my tactics over the years, I've not picked Everton players as one tactic, as not since Jinx jinxed them. I've not picked Liverpool players as well. Um, I was a loyalty for my club, and whatever I try just just doesn't work. But I think obviously, you know, with with Lee being obviously that 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 more that more involved, and and as much as we we give him a little bit of stick at times, year in year out, he will always finish hundreds and hundreds and points clear of of me and, and your average player because he puts the time in. He enjoys obviously listening to, to like to your podcast and different content. So obviously, for, for those for those people who enjoy playing the game, just you know devoting a little bit of time to doing your research, listening obviously to the content that, that's out there, it's proven to to actually work, isn't it? It's a huge it's a huge commitment to even just play one full FPL season. You're talking August to May. And you've got a lot of opportunities throughout the season to, to tail off. Like these international breaks, a two-week lull is, is when we'll see a lot of people who might have been quite active with their team beforehand. They might just forget now about this next deadline. And then once you miss one, you're like, right, I'll just leave it now. Um, obviously, there's a huge fall-off in, in active managers as the season goes on. I think the World Cup will be a big issue this year. You know, six weeks of nobody visiting the FPL website. A lot of people just will forget to come back or won't bother coming back in the, in the new year or around Boxing Day whenever it comes back. So, yeah, it's it's that that's that's one of the 
one of the keys to success and one of the simple keys to success in fantasy is just sticking with it for the whole season. Uh, you know, you'll get a lot of people who also have a tricky start. I've had a tricky start myself this year, got about 1.7 million after seven or eight game weeks. I know a lot of people in my shoes now would be like, you know, I'm just going to leave it. I'll come back next year, but I'm obviously can't do that. So I need to keep chipping away at it. And I'm still confident by, by May, which is, which is a lifetime away that, you know, the rank will be, will be respectable. Yeah, just on, on whilst we're on that front there, I mean, we, we, we touched on, obviously, you know, you said there's 25 players this season um, that most people are picking from. One of the ways to, to be slightly different is obviously the captaincy element. Now, I know in your world, um, it's quite a controversial subject, isn't it? In, in, um, in the fact that should we still have captaincy? Because obviously not, most people this year now, ever since Haaland started the season where he has, most people every single game now are going to pretty much captain Haaland. You know, he's played every single game as well. There's no real signs that Pep's going to rest him. Um, what's your thoughts on on, on the captaincy uh, sort of card, if you like? Because um, obviously a little bit of luck does come into that. You can do all the prep in the world. I might go with Harry Kane one week. You might go with Haaland. And then one of them might score a hat-trick. One of them might miss a penalty, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? So what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, captaincy is it's always a hotly talked you know, hotly debated topic every season. I'm I'm probably in the minority when I say I'm not really too keen on it. I'd be quite happy if they took the captaincy away from the game. It just adds a lot of variance. You know, there's a lot of very good examples. Uh, you know, last season or two seasons back, I think a lot of people went for Havertz and he, and he blanked in a 7-0. And, and maybe it was Salah that week who, who got a hat-trick or something like that. And then this season, again, you know, Salah, Liverpool win 9-0. A lot of people captain Salah against Bournemouth and, it, you know, not even an assist from, from any of those nine goals. And in that week, I'm pretty sure Haaland got got two, if not three. So there's in 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 any single game week, there can be a forty point or even a fifty point swing in just captaincy decisions. If if you go for Salah and I go for Haaland, and, and if Haaland gets a hat trick and, and Salah blanks, that's basically a whole game week's worth of points in in one player. So, like I say, I, I think it adds too much variance. But then when you look at seasons like this where most teams are very, very similar. It's probably one of the very few ways we can still be different if, if you're brave enough to go against a Haaland. You know, this week's a good example. It's the Manchester Derby. Will he do as much damage as he's done recently? I think he probably will, and, and I'm a Manchester United fan. But, you know, Salah plays Brighton at home. You've got other options, maybe a Madison against, you know, the, the worst defence in the league and Nottingham Forest. So I think captaincy is important. I think it will always be there. But I think there's, there's a few of us hardcore who... I think I think the reason we say we don't like it is because it probably would be easier for us to consistently do well if we took some of that variance out of the game. But I can understand why it's there, and I'm sure 90% of people, if there was a poll, would vote to to probably keep it in. Yeah, it's something you can't control, isn't it? Yeah, I mean a lot of the stuff, like you said, you can do all the prep in the world, you can find out which players are trending in the right direction and everything else. But you know what we can't vouch for is what Michael alluded to before. You know. Out of nowhere, suddenly Pep will go right. I'm playing Alvarez this week. Harland, you're on the bench. You know what I mean? And, and obviously Pep is 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 uh, is is widely talked about, obviously in in the fantasy world because he's got such such an array of talent to choose from, and that's why it's always tricky getting some sometimes City players because you never you never know what he's going to do each week. Um, but one of the things I wanted to mention, Mike and I talked about this as well, is is more and more footballers actually in the league are you playing prem, uh, fantasy Premier League now as well, aren't they? And I, I know was it was it Klopp at Liverpool that, that I think teams were getting leaked, weren't they? Before um, before deadlines things like that, and 
I think was it Klopp at Liverpool that turned around and said, "Right, I'm not having my players playing it because this this shouldn't even be anywhere near the actual game." Yeah, there was a there was a couple of interesting issues a couple of seasons back. The the deadline used to be one hour before, um, and you, the, the, a lot of people who work in the media used to get the team seventy five minutes before. So there was always that little fifteen minute window where some people in the media couldn't resist sharing. You know, we're human beings. If we got info, it's very tempting to share things, and that obviously benefited a lot of FPL managers because if you waited till the last 15 minutes and you were able to get on social media, there was a good chance you would get at some kind of team leak, you know, someone's starting, someone's not starting. And that might dictate your transfer or your captaincy decision. You know, if you, if you find out a player's on the bench, you're not going to captain them, whereas maybe a lot of other people will. So you could, you could get an edge that way. So FPL changed the deadline to 90 minutes beforehand, which has made a big difference. You do still get people leaking teams and stuff like that. We've had... Uh, Quite reliable Tottenham stuff this season, which which is probably going to come to an end now, uh, because you know people would always wait to see if Perisic was starting or not, and that would dictate whether they'd buy him or start him or bench him. But yeah, I think it was. I remember. I think it was Dean Smith at at Aston Villa. There was a very famous. I think he was the he was one of the managers who banned his players from using it, because there was a great Twitter account that was basically tracking all the Premier League players' fancy teams, and he was he was sharing what transfers they made and stuff like that, and it was things like. Aston Villa physios would sell a player and you think, right, if a physio sell a player, he must have a niggle. That means there's an issue there. And I remember, there was a, I think it was a famous quote, uh, it gets played quite often on, on Twitter, Dean Smith saying something like, I live I live in the real world, not the fantasy world. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's amazing how, how, you know, this kind of thing can play and say, it's a real world footballer, wasn't it? You know, the, the crossover obviously is, is always going to be there and it must be a, must give yourselves a, a great a great buzz to to know that you've got Premier League footballers that are actually playing the game week in week out as well. You know, it's, yeah. it shows you the, the the work that you're doing. It's you know, it's 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 an ever growing ever growing industry, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think those of us who work in the industry, it gives us a great buzz, even still, to see even just of a player, Premier League player, tweets about fantasy, and and they do it more and more now. Madison's pretty good. Bamford. Uh, recently, Ivan Tony. A lot of people sold him before his hat trick against Leeds. And, and one of his first tweets, I think, was, "You know, that's for the, all of you who sold me in your fancy team, just having a, <laughs> having a wee dig." So, Brilliant. yeah, Brilliant. it's uh, and it, you know, I was I did a bit of work with uh, the Premier League on their uh, fantasy Premier League show. It's not it's not on on TV this year. It was it was going for a couple of seasons. So I used to go down to London, and you know, you're mixing with uh, you know the likes of Robbie Savage and. And Phil Neville, Ian Wright, you're sitting in the in the green room with all these boys, just having a coffee, and uh, you know, and they're always quite keen to to talk to me about what I do. They're always quite amazed that you know I'm doing doing the fantasy stuff full time. And usually, once you get chatting to them, they'll pull out their phone and they'll say, "Oh, here's my team." And and usually, obviously, it's absolutely rubbish, and you need to you need to give them some <laughs> advice. But uh, yeah, it's great to see. You know, Michael Richards is a is a big advocate of fantasy. He's getting more heavily involved in the FPL community as well. He's been on a few podcasts, even in spaces and stuff like that. So yeah, the more the more we see of that uh yeah it just excites us i think because we know it's it's to me it's still early days and um you know i'm i'm a guest on the new sky sports fantasy show which is on a saturday morning now you know about 20 to 11 most saturdays i've I've been on once or twice and even just seeing it on on sky sports news when when i'm not on it's it's, it gives me a great buzz because i I knew it would always happen um and like i say match the day and stuff i think it i think that it'll go that direction as well i would imagine out of all the pundits, and I know obviously it's brilliant that you've you've obviously got some notoriety through Sky as well, and right, rightly so, by the way. Um, who who's um, who, who's your favourite pundit to to interact interact with? Really, 
Um, there's probably two. I, when I was in the green room in London, uh, the first one was Andy Cole because I was I'm a Manchester United right. fan. Became a Manchester United fan when we won the treble in '89. Typical eight-year-old glory hunter uh, for my <laughs> sins. So it's really cool chatting to him about his story. And actually, Jonathan Greening was there one day as well. You know, he, he was on the bench in the Champions League, so it was good to hear his story and, and, and his coaching career and stuff. But the main one for me, being Irish, I I knew Matt Holland was a big fantasy player. He's he's, he's very interested. Um, I knew he followed me on Twitter and stuff like that. And I remember one of the first times I went to the show in London, the producer said, you know, Matt Holland's in the building. He's doing some some TV work for the international games. My my heart started racing because I was right. I need to I need to say hello to this guy. I need to say hello to him. And for about half an hour, I was going over it in my head what I was going to say to Matt. I was like, you know, you're I was thinking I'm going to say, you know, World Cup 2002. You know, you're my hero, 10 years old, watching you score in the World Cup and all that kind of stuff. And, and then we, he walked down the corridor and I was just about to spit all my words out at him and then he just goes ah there's the general you know so he he actually recognized me before i got to say hello to him so that was a that was a surreal moment uh pretty cool to chat to matt about all things ireland and yeah he's he's a very good fantasy player he's he's probably one of the better pundits actually brilliant brilliant i mean it, it, it's obviously it, it's great to see obviously where you where you started from where, where you are now what the game looks like now obviously what well, i'm interested to also know as well your thoughts in terms of where you see the game going in the future. We're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Trinity B-side. And and like like I mentioned before the break, you know, the the, the game is huge. We, we discussed obviously um Mark what you what you would sort of enjoy in terms of the fantasy world, but what things that you don't you don't like as well. But where where do, where do you see the game the game going obviously grows every single year. I mentioned at the start of the show, over 9 million players currently in the, in this season's Fantasy Premier League. What was, Where do you see it going? And what would you like to see in terms of changes to maybe make the game a little bit better? Yeah, so there's been very, very few changes in, in the official fantasy game itself over the years. And I, I've always been a believer if, if something's not broken, you know, you don't touch it, you don't need to fix it. But to me, we may be getting towards a point where... It might it might need some change, you know. Like I said, a lot of teams are the same now. There's not at the end of the day, you don't make too many decisions. You you pick a captain every week, and you probably make one transfer. You know, apart from picking your initial team or when you're on a wild card and stuff, that's when you make all of your big decisions. But throughout the week, there's not much to do really, apart from research and watching games and stuff. So I think there's a lot of scope for, you know, making a few changes where. It, you know, you need a bit more engagement. I play a lot of different fantasy formats. I play the Scottish game. I play the Champions League. I'll play the World Cup one when it comes around as well. And they're a lot more hands-on. The Sky Sports Fantasy one as well is is very hands-on. It's, it's too hands-on for me. I, I don't tend to play it anymore because there's a lot of planning required in that one, uh, you know, in terms of fixtures and when to jump off players, when to jump on players. But yeah, I think with FPL itself, it's, it could do with a shake-up now, I think, at this stage. Like I said, most many leagues have... 10, 11 of the same players, you know, maybe some new chips and stuff like that. I, I, I do think, I do think it's going to keep growing. It's been growing very steadily year on year. I think COVID actually helped when COVID was scary for me when, when, when the football disappeared. But kind of long term, it's worked out really well for me because they obviously put all the games on TV. You've got more people working from home now, so more people are watching games. And I think a lot of people use kind of fantasy and stuff like that as an escape from the pandemic. You know, they're, they're probably a lot more... And that's a part of the reason why we've got a lot more engaged 
players now compared to maybe you know four or five seasons ago. So yeah, I still think there's there's a lot of scope for growth. Um, I always think you know a lot of people make comparisons to the US. Fantasy is absolutely massive over there. Baseball, basketball, American football. You know, you've got five or six hour TV shows at the weekend that are fantasy focused. Um, so I still think we're we're maybe behind them in terms of fantasy, and and that's why I, I I'm quite confident that. And I'm quite excited by what is still to come because there's definitely more scope there for growth. And you know, little things like the the draft format of fantasy in America is what basically everyone plays, and it's never really caught on here. I don't really know why. There's probably a few different reasons. The draft format for people I don't know is if the three of us were playing in a draft league, only one of us can have Salah, only one of us can have Haaland, and it's all about kind of trading among each other over the season, which to me is 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 a lot more exciting and sounds a lot more fun than you know everyone having the same team in the mini league. So maybe maybe if they can nobody's really nailed a really good draft game in the UK yet. There's been a few different companies who've tried. FPL have their own version that very few people play. If they could if they could nail that down and, and people if, if if the draft format could take off, I think that would be that's something they should really try and tap into more, I think. That's really interesting that that is really you know when you look at like US sports, <clears throat> obviously they've invented a lot of their own sports so they can be the best in the world. Obviously we all know that. But um on, on, on a serious note, um, we had a, we had a, a guy on, and we've, we've, we're good friends with a, a guy who scouts and uses a lot of stats-based, like almost like what's called the Moneyball method. Obviously, everyone who's seen the Moneyball film, brilliant film. If anyone's not seen it, go and watch it if you're a sports fan. Very good film with Brad Pitt. But American sports do lend themselves, don't they, to obviously you know pouring over stats and things like that. And then obviously, it's very different to to uh, to, to soccer, as they call it, football, that we call it. Um, but yeah, I've heard about that drafting and I, I do like the sound of that as well because it's the variance element, isn't it? And the fact that if only one of you can have it, then you are going to see a, a big shotgun really in terms of points, aren't you? Yeah, the, the draft thing, the, the big, the big, the best thing about a draft format is is the start of the season. So, you know, a couple of days before the season starts, you get everyone around together. You might do it via Zoom and stuff like that, but you get all your mates around or, or colleagues, whoever you're playing with. And it's obviously... You know, Lee, you go first. You get the first pick. You're probably going to pick Haaland. Then, you know, Mike goes next. He picks Salah. You know, it's very, very, very exciting, um, the draft part itself at the very start. And then, obviously, you've got the banter all season and you're trying to propose trades to each other. You know, I'll give you X player, you give me Y player and all that kind of stuff. And it, it just leads to a lot more interaction, engagement and, and banter. Uh, to me, it's the best kind of, of fantasy. But for whatever reason, very few people play it here. Yeah, I've got to be honest. I mean, I've seen the, the, the draft game advertised, obviously, when I go onto the website and, and when it first came in, and never, never really read about it. Never saw, never saw too much on it. So, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a case of of it being being pushed that that little bit more because that does sound that little bit more. It's more of a commitment, obviously. It's a, obviously more planning uh, involved as well, but it does sound that little bit more sort of intriguing, I think, than than even. Just, just make him sort of one change a week and picking your captain for those people who, who want to be be more involved. And, and just on a basic level, it's it's if you have a draft team, it really is your team then because no one else has your players. So to me, that just sounds a lot better. And it takes away obviously the elements of of copycat teams and yeah, and things like that as well, which is you know which is probably one of the, one of your one of your biggest pet hates uh, as, exactly. as as you said earlier on, um, but. But one thing I want we wanted to ask as well, we had a, a little bit of a chat off off air before. Um obviously I mentioned one of my rules that I had 
back, you know, over the years has been not picking Everton players because it's jinxed them. I think currently I have one Everton player in the team in Alex Iwobi because why not? He's he's potentially the, the second coming of Lionel Messi on current four. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's in terms of Everton players past and present, who's been your go-to or your favourite Everton player over the years? The one that comes to mind for me is is probably Tim Cahill back in the day. You know, he was a he was a midfielder in FPL, but very often played out of position up front and scored so many goals. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking now of all those amazing headed goals he scored for Everton. So he was a big fantasy favourite. Even Fellaini when he was there, I remember owning him as well. But you know, we as we mentioned earlier, you know, Leighton Baines is an all time FPL legend and always will be. You know, that that left footed penalty taking defender. There was a lot of clean sheets in those days for Everton as well. So he's he's right up there. But for me as well, I'm, I'm from Donegal in Ireland. So Seamus Coleman, for me, is a big one. He's an absolute legend to, to anyone who's from Donegal. And he was a really good fantasy asset himself for probably a spell of three or four years, especially when he burst on the scene, first of all. He was really, really cheap. He was probably only about 4.5 million. Scored a lot of goals, got a lot of assists. So uh, great to see him still going strong. Th- this season, like I said, I bought Gordon. Uh, I really like Gordon. I think the... I think that boy can go very, very far in the game. Really like what I've seen. Um, and maybe it wasn't a great idea buying him last week. I mean, the fixtures weren't great either, which is another reason maybe I shouldn't have gone there. Patterson, I've been very impressed with as well. I'm, I'm, I'm living in Scotland now, so I watch a lot of Scottish football and Scottish games and really like what I've seen of him at right back as well. Unfortunately, it's at the expense of Seamus Coleman at right back, but Patterson's a really good attacking fullback. He's only 4 million FPL. Just a shame he seems to have picked up an injury now with, with Scotland because I was eyeing him up as a just a cheap player for the bench. But, you know, go, a couple of seasons back, Calvert-Lewin was, was brilliant as well. He's kind of struggled injury-wise since. So we're all kind of pining. FPL managers are all kind of pining for Calvert-Lewin and Bamford at Leeds to kind of come back and be fit again because both of them in the same season were, were excellent. So hopefully we, we'll have Calvert Lee on our teams again soon. Yeah, I, I, I had Patterson in from the start, actually. I mean, A, because he was so cheap as well. And and B, because, you know, his biggest asset is getting forward and getting getting in the box. Uh, I know he hasn't, I don't think he's had any uh, assists or goals yet, but he, he really has carried a threat. Um, it's, a, it's a big blow for us, actually, personally, in, in losing him in, in what we view as almost like a nothing fixture in, in, in obviously, uh, in, in, in international break. But um, he's been outstanding. I think he's got a big future. Uh, it's interesting what you say about Seamus, actually, and, and, and Leighton Baines, because I think, you know, obviously fullbacks now in, in modern football are probably the biggest creators in the game, aren't they, in terms of creativity now? I mean, you'd never have thought that years ago, when obviously most people play four four two and everything else. But I think... Seamus, I remember Seamus coming on the scene. He almost played right wing when he first came in, when Moyes first brought him through. And then obviously uh, Leighton as well used to get forward on the other side. And I think Everton, to be fair, without any exaggeration at the time, probably had two two of you know the best fullbacks in the league at one point. I'm not saying they were the best, but they were two of the you know standout performers week in week out under that David Moyes team. Those two probably set the trend in many ways for what we see now. You know, in, in yeah. fantasy teams, you see a lot of people doubling up on. You know, wing backs from the same team, whether it be you know Reese James and and Chilwell or Trent and Robertson from Liverpool, which was very painful for me at the start of this season. But I I do remember uh, a lot of teams in those seasons having both Baines and Coleman in their defences, whereas in those days it probably wasn't very common to have two defenders from the same team because most people played uh, a three four three formation. So if you had two from the one team, you're only left with you know one other pick then, and especially when they weren't you know a team you know, top two or top three. Uh, but yeah, certainly good memories thinking back on, on those wing backs. 
Well, I remember them when they, well, it, it, they got so popular in the end. I think that at one point they were both over six million or six million at least, weren't they? Do you know what I mean? They're almost like the equivalent of Trent and Robbo now, weren't they? In terms of okay, they were there at seven million now, but you know what I mean? The point still stands. I would need to go back and check it, but I I think Leighton Baines might have got to an extremely high price. I th- I think the the most expensive defender ever was eight million. Uh, I think Ivanovic might have been that at one point, but I think Baines could have been at seven point five. I'm going to go check that after this, but he was certainly one of the most expensive there ever was. Yeah, it, 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 if I think thinking back, I mean, Leighton Baines is probably my all-time favourite Everton player, to, to be honest, and someone who, who regularly I remember remember picking, obviously playing playing the game in those days because he he was nailed on to either grab an assist, grab a goal, taking obviously set pieces um, all the time, whether it be penalties, free kicks, corners, everything like that, and. And he was just just a nailed on high high point scorer, so a really 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 sensible sensible pick. But obviously in in the current game now, I had a quick look yesterday. You mentioned about the um, obviously the website uh, website shows the percentage of of uh, players who pick a certain player. Now I noticed that the Harlem was at eighty one point one percent of of players of teams have got him in. Is is that is that the highest you've ever seen? I think that is a new record. Yeah, I don't yes. think a player's ever had that much before. And he's basically he's basically broken the game in the first chunk of the season because he's he's kind of taken captaincy out of the game. It's just absolutely ridiculous what he's done in such a such a short space of time. Like, the guy's not human. I mean, and like I say, I I, I put a tweet up a few weeks ago. I, I said I've always wanted captaincy taken out of the game, and Haaland has finally sorted that out for me because you just captain him every week now. You don't even you don't even think about it. But yeah, ownership. Ownership percentages are crazy. Even you know over the last you know four or five seasons, Salah's ownership would have been not too far away from from where he is now. And, and even the craziest one for me was going into this season. Um, Gabriel Jesus, I think, was the most owned player going in. I think he was it was ridiculous. It might have been up about seventy five percent, which was which just told you that they underpriced him. They made a mistake with his price, and he was he was eight million when he when he should have been a lot more. And we've obviously enjoyed you know quite a few points from him in the first few weeks of the season. But yeah, ownerships uh, it's always interesting. I, yeah, I, gar- I guarantee you, if you if you check a Wobie's ownership, it's probably zero point zero zero one. It's probably just you. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, you know what? Talking about eye test, a Wobie's been playing in central midfield, and and Lampard can take huge credit with it, with taking you know improving this guy because he, he you know he he was long considered a, a failure of a signing by 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 Everton fans. But I've never seen ever a transformation in terms of a fan base getting behind a player because he's he's actually. You know, as a footballer, you can imagine if fans take to you, you can get away with anything almost on the pitch, even giving the ball away. But if it's the opposite of that, it's absolutely uh, you know not a good place to be. But I think Awobi, to be fair, if you look at his chances created and everything else, I think he's he's definitely one to watch. He's not really gaining anything at the minute, but I know he's had a few assists. Um, but he's definitely definitely one one to watch going forward. I know Mike, you're a big fan, aren't you? Yeah, I just think that the, the turnaround in Awobi has been. It's been sensational, to be honest. I mean, no, no one could have predicted that he would become effectively one of the first names on the team sheet after, you know, being being played centrally, which we all probably said for quite a while that you know that's his best position is playing centrally. But he, he's turned into it into an all-round midfielder, hasn't he? In terms of defensively, he's strong. You know, if you look if you look at his, uh, you know, tackles and and the, the number of pressures per game and things like that, he's very very strong in that area. His recoveries are very good. But then, obviously, is in terms of the the attack and third, we're now seeing him assist a lot more. 
we'd love to see him obviously start to bag a few more goals because he's definitely got them got them in his locker and he's just a very very nice fella you know he's he's so so personable he's he's so humble you know every every sort of week now you'll see an interview um with him on the Everton website there's one I'll come out again this morning and, and you know a lot of it goes back to the, the difficult times that, that he's had and he's just got the right mentality and he's, he's a player that you want to succeed and you know and I know obviously his, his output in terms of from a points perspective in fantasy Premier League is not you know right up there of course there's a, there's a, there's a lot of work to do in terms of that but I, I just I just I'm gen, generally I'm just generally pleased for him that he is now at a point in his in his career where he he is now hitting the heights which I think that that he, he always thought and always should have should have hit um, so, so my tips to anyone, anyone listening is, get Alex Awobi in your team. Cap, so, captain Awobi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> simple captain. When you know when you've got it available, put put it on him at some point. But no, it's just it's just a good, a nice, a nice success story. I think with with Awobi this season. But uh, like you say, I don't think many people will would have picked Awobi. Um, that that's for sure. The stats on yeah, well, yeah that's simple. one of the. Like Awobi is a good example of kind of one of the flaws in FPL that it doesn't really reward the, the kind of more defensively minded, you know, centre midfielders, you know, Idris guy and, you know, Rodri, Fabinho, all of these players, they, they do such an important job on the pitch. They can often be the, the man of the match, but they'll very often just get two FPL points. So, you know, I do play some other fantasy formats that do try and incorporate, you know, blocks, interceptions, pass completion and all like that. So, again, that's something else FPL might try and look to in the future to add a few more, you know, scoring points uh, for different things just on that point quickly I, I mentioned about Wobi obviously you know football fans can be quite fickle um, and that's across all teams as well I mean you know social media is now obviously massively ingrained in our lives into that Twitter you talked about obviously is your main format for distributing a lot of information that Twitter can also be you know for me um, from a mental health perspective not a great place for a lot of people you know a lot of players now fans seem to take to these forums to sometimes personally call out players abuse them um and that doesn't just happen in the football world either but obviously i look at someone like a Wobi who would i i would describe as a relatively quiet guy maybe a little bit of an introvert you know what i mean and, and at the end of the day football players are human human beings just like you know all of us um just what's your thoughts on things like twitter and, and social media i know it's, it's it's done great for you from being able to create a business out of it but same from a fantasy perspective. Do you ever get? Do you ever feel like you know you've got a lot of followers on there? Do you sometimes get abused sometimes for, for, for you know picks that you maybe gone for that have not worked out that sort of thing? Yeah, probably probably quite similar. I'm quite I'm pretty quiet. You know, I keep keep myself to myself most of the time. I'm probably pretty introverted if I had to describe myself as well. And I think over the years, I I kind of miss the early days of Twitter when I only had 500 followers and when you could interact with everyone and reply to everyone and you know like every comment. It's it's kind of it's it's a big beast now that you can't really tame so for me now it's become about just managing it yes i need to go on there for for work stuff but i take a lot of steps to manage it you know this international break for example twitter gets deleted off my phone straight away there's no app so if i need to go on twitter i need to actually go upstairs and open the laptop just set those little boundaries and make it a little bit harder very often if i put out a tweet that is maybe you know, divisive. I don't go out of my way to do that, but if it's a you know a strong opinion on on a player or a team, and if I know there's going to be a lot of shitty comments, which there always is on social media, usually I'll just tweet, and then before there's any replies, I'll just mute the tweet, and I don't have any interest in really going back and reading what people are replying to it, um, because like I say, social media, it's uh, you've got to be careful with it. It's you know we spend 
most of us spend too much time on there. And I just try and manage it as much as I can. Like I say, laptop only for, for Twitter and stuff like that. And just trying to minimize the use. I've got a, I've got an app on my phone as well. I think it's called Block Site. You can you know, block four or five apps between certain times of the day and stuff. So, you know, evening time, it won't let me log in to, to you know, Sky Sports or The Athletic or, or Twitter just to just to try and just try and stop myself because we're humans. We're always going to go back. It's, it's addictive. So it's all about just managing it for me. And yeah, the, the abusive stuff, I'm quite lucky. I don't, to be honest, I've never experienced too much abusive stuff. I, again, I'm quite, the way I tweet and stuff, I'm not very controversial. I don't go looking for trouble or I stay out of all the Twitter beef that happens. And yeah, it's... Uh, I like to think I'm I'm likable, so the the trolls seem to seem to leave me alone. And that's good advice, that definitely for anybody listening there. Certainly on that block site thing. I mean, um, social media has so many benefits, you know. Um, but at the same time, there's there's a lot of things that you know if, if you don't manage it properly, it can get on top of people. And I think that that that's really good advice, that Mark. I think um, certainly from you know for people listening out there, it is a dopamine rush for some people, isn't it? And things like that, and it's, it's it's trying to control that. You know, we are we do live probably now. In an overstimulated world um so you know anybody listening anything like that block saving that or you feel like it is becoming too addictive i definitely take heed of that advice yeah because I, I know i know myself thinking about it now you know very often um you know in the past if there's a you know if all the games are on on saturday or whatever i'll i'll be scrolling through my twitter and you know another thing i do on twitter is i, I use lists so I'll maybe only you know i might follow 500 people but really i'm only looking at 20 or 30 people's tweets in, in any day only the people i really you know, care about seeing and stuff. But very often I'll be on Twitter, I'll get to the bottom, I've seen everything and I'll, I'll keep refreshing it and there's nothing coming up. And I'm like, what What am I doing here? I'm just looking for that hit. It's like, it really is like being a, being a heroin junkie or something like that. So when that's happening, you just got to got to recognize it. You got to think, right, this is becoming a bit too much here. Just take those steps that you need to, to, to take a couple of days away from it or whatever that is. Yeah, very sound advice. And we, we always say it's a, it's a necessary evil, almost sort of for... The, the work that, that we do and obviously yourself and it, it wouldn't work for us unless we had access to social media that's probably the the, the god's honest truth so it's it's great for that but but not great for for other things and yeah we, i think we're all guilty of of jumping on social media all the time clicking the fresh you know just to get two or three more tweets shown and yeah you, you've got it you've got to be careful and, and look after yourself of course that's that's the most important thing but before we before we finish, Mark, um, any tips for game week nine besides the Wobby Super Captain? Yeah, uh, game week nine. I know a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people are on a wild card this week. So um, the main thing to do is you've got to be careful. Game week twelve is coming up soon, and and there's a couple of teams that don't play that week. Arsenal and Man City. So you've got to get the balance right of of how many Arsenal and Man City players you carry for the next couple of game weeks, and just make sure you can. Make sure you can get 11 players out in game week 12. That's that's probably the main advice at the minute. Madison, Madison's probably going to be my transfer in this week. Really like him for the Nottingham Forest game. And then, you know, a few more good fixtures to come after that as well. So hopefully points to come there. Yeah, one, one, one of Lee's tips there. He'll, uh, he'll come back to remind you of that when Madison scores two or three. <laughs> I can, I'm going to blame Lee when, when Madison goes wrong. <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll meet you on Twitter, mate. I'll meet you. We'll have, we'll have some beef. <laughs> well no brilliant brilliant to end on end on that some some nice uh, nice advice for people who, who enjoy playing the game and mark all that's left to say is if you really appreciate you giving up some some time today to, to discuss obviously your your journey into into employment in in the world of uh, the fancy premier league yeah thanks for having me lads really really enjoyed this so yeah thanks thanks again for having me thanks for coming on mate really appreciate it
Yeah, absolute pleasure, and and that is us for today. So keep your eyes eyes peeled for future Trinity B sides. There will be more. We are working hard on securing securing future guests over the next next couple of months or so, especially going into into the World Cup break. So keep your eye out for them. The uh, the usual Unholy Trinity podcast will be back this weekend, obviously. Uh, Post Southampton match will be back on on Sunday to to look back on that and look ahead to the the visits of Manchester United to Goodison Park the following week. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. The Trinity B-Side. Tackling the issues within football. Sports Social Podcast Network.